In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Okay, so this is the opening bit to Craigslist Spooky Times, and Craig will usually do some sort of semi-pre-written, semi-improvised bit, uh, often pretending that Carla is not there when she totally is. Uh, Carla is never aware of what the opening bit is going to be, but this is one of the rules of Craigslist Spooky Times, that it opens with this opening bit, which is currently what is happening. I'm doing the bit right now, which is a commentary on meta-horror and lifted directly from the movie Scream, when Jamie Kennedy explains the rules of the horror genre. Uh, and then the opening bit's going to end, and uh, Carla and Craig... Uh, when I say Craig, I mean me. Uh, I'm talking about him like he's a character, but you know, let, let's be honest. I am the Craig of the Craigslist podcast, and I'm totally aware of what I'm doing right now. And I think I'm being sucked into a meta spiral that I can't escape from, and this is terrifying. Carla, please pull me out of it. Stop. It's not even nine in the morning yet. <laughs> Well, you're the one who wanted to record before the uh, before the election got going. <laughs> oh, it's going. You also have a theory that early morning recordings work best for you. I think it's true. Something about the coffee really gets me going. You have a level of punchiness in the morning that works well for this podcast. Yeah. If you get me too late in the day, you see my real personality, which is... <laughs> Oh, I've seen it. Total seen doom it. and gloom. <laughs> you're, a Will, you're a Wednesday Adams in the <laughs> afternoon. And a... Uh, a Goldie Hawn, first thing in the morning. <laughs> do you follow Goldie Hawn on Instagram? I can't say that I do. Oh, it's, it's real fun. Worth it? Yeah. What kind of stuff does she post? Really nice stuff, like positive stuff, but then sometimes she'll post, and I don't know that she does this a ton, but my favorite posts of hers are where she's dancing. She'll just turn on the music and start dancing for the camera. <laughs> Now, aren't they doing a sequel to that Kurt Russell Santa movie? Are they? That comes out this Christmas oh, on I Netflix? I hope so. I liked that movie. And Goldie Hawn was in the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I believe there there's another one coming out. Cool. Uh, I didn't see it. You didn't watch that? No. I really liked it. I thought it was way better than I was expecting. Well, maybe we're going to have to do a month of Christmas movies, Carla. All right, back off. <laughs> <laughs> But welcome to Craigslist Spooky Times, and this is the 11th of 11 podcasts that we have done wow. over the last month. We've done 11? Covering 31 horror movies. We are amazing. And we've got a trifecta of movies to cover, and then this this is it for a while. Don't get your hopes up. Uh, we're going to go back on hiatus. Uh, something lit a fire under our ass for the month of October, and we watched 31 scary movies in 31 days, and this is the end of it. It was fun. It was fun. I don't know why fun. you sound so angry about it. <laughs> I just want to lay down the law that people don't expect uh, more. 
but we ended, as I kind of referenced already, with three meta horror movies. Yes. So we covered Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yep. The Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And Scream. Yeah. Carla, is meta horror scary? Sure. Can be. That's all I got. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, probably these movies are varying degrees of actual scary. Tucker and Dale is the most overtly comedic. Yeah, I I would not say that that's scary. Though I think it has some good kills. That's not the same as them actually being scary kills, but they're inventive and fun and there's good gore in it, right? Yeah, it's kind of a parody of a slasher film with a twist. Right? Wouldn't you say? What's the twist? That they're not actually killers. Oh, oh of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the movie. That's that's the central <laughs> conceit of the movie. Cabin in the Woods, uh kind of similar, though I th- th- there's certainly some good gore in that as well. There's a couple good scares in that, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. The zombies are pretty cool in that. And then the stuff at the end with all the scary creatures. And what about Scream? Is Scream scary to you? It's not anymore, but it certainly was when I first saw it. So it's been, uh, over time, has been diluted a little bit for you. Well, I've seen it probably a dozen times at this point in my life. So I just watched it last year. I probably watch it most Halloweens, I think. Yeah. Halloween season. What do you think is the the purpose of meta? So this is when a work of art kind of becomes self-referential, is aware of itself as a work of art, and maybe commenting on the history of the particular genre it's in or Mm -hmm. tropes from that genre. I think it was... Wait, what's the question? (laughs) (laughs) What's the deal deal with meta? Please answer any question, but... (laughs) What's the deal with Meta? Is that the question? I didn't phrase it as what's the deal. (laughs) What's the deal with Meta? (laughs) Was that the question? I think what's the purpose of of Meta to you? Um, I think when a genre has been exhausted, it's another way to kind of reinvent itself. To find new life. Yes. I was thinking in particular that sitcoms of today generally tend to have at least some meta element to them. Yes. Probably because a sitcom, the basic 22-minute network TV, possibly multi-cam, possible single-cam sitcom has been such a part of our lives for years that we're too aware of the tropes Mm -hmm. of it. And so most sitcoms today kind of acknowledge that in the way that they're written yeah definitely single cams with the documentary stuff right yeah the the mockumentary form is a meta element certainly yeah Yeah. i think probably the chuck lorry multi-cam sitcoms are uh maybe the ones that are just kind of unironically just kind of going out old school that's what i was gonna say i don't know that i can think of a multi-cam that's meta necessarily hmm and are still very traditional. I guess I kind of associate meta with being 
maybe, you know, postmodern kind of coming into vogue in the 90s, being associated with hipsters and sarcasm mm-hmm. a little bit. But really, meta has been around as long as there have been art, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like when you're a kid and you read a book that, like, acknowledges you of, like, maybe the book says, and you, dear reader, right. is is a way of saying this is a book that you're reading and you are a reader. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it actually is a fairly early thing that we get used to as consumers of art, as art that it in some way acknowledges itself as art. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to find the right balance between... Having enough ironic distance to maybe be able to analyze what you're creating as you're creating it and kind of uh, satirize the tropes or comment on the tropes in some way. And then it kind of crossing the line into maybe too snarky and condescending and having so many degrees of removal from the thing that you can't feel anything about it. Well, yeah. And I think that 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 becomes cynicism and that the pendulum is swinging in the opposite direction. Cause now all of these sitcoms or shows that people are like, this is the best are more sincere. I think so. Yeah. I mean, Schitt's Creek is, is huge now. Ted Lasso has gotten a lot of uh, yeah. praise this year. I mean, maybe people are craving some actual optimism and heart. Yeah. In- and I mean, I'm sure that has as much to do with just culture and politics and the world that we live in as anything else. But it's a nice break. I would I would say that meta is not necessarily my favorite genre of anything. And, and that's only because it does start to feel, even Scream at a certain point, watching again, it's like, okay, it's feeling a little cynical again, mm. you know? And I guess it's it's like the old comedy trope of like, are you punching up or punching down mm-hmm. in in some way? And although I would say most of it with Scream feels like a love letter to the genre, definitely as, as opposed to making or to be being mean about it. Yeah, and I think looking at Cabin in the Woods, it maybe was a little more cynical or critical about what it is mm-hmm. uh, deconstructing. And I think maybe to not to good effect for for that movie. Mm. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it can be done as well as the first eight sim- seasons of The Simpsons, or it can be done as poorly as the last twenty five seasons of The Simpsons. Come on, <laughs> nobody wants to hear you shit on The Simpsons at nine o'clock in the morning. Are you all listening to this? <laughs> hey, it's four twenty somewhere. <laughs> Uh, I have a question for you. What, yeah. what for you is the difference between meta and parody? Well, certainly parody has a meta element to it. Um, I mean, I think... Because some of these movies feel like a parody, specifically Tucker and Dale. Yeah. And we covered Shaun of the Dead as well. I was going to say that I feel like Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg have a real love for the genres that they send up mm-hmm. in in their movies. And so I think that, that comes across. Um, I think, you know, Meta is operating on two levels. And I hope that you can enjoy the story that it is telling and that it also there's a deeper read 
a deeper level on top of that. I think parody kind of creates an ironic distance from the beginning mm-hmm. and it's only kind of as funny as the last funny joke. Or it's broader, maybe. It's maybe a little broader. Okay. That makes sense to me. Um, so, next- But I don't know that the terms are mutually exclusive, and I think they're blurred quite a bit in these three movies. I think next year we should do a parody run, because I want to do that Wayne Brothers scary movie. Is it called? I think it's called Scary Movie, right? Oh, yeah. There's a run of whole scary movie movies that paradise Scream, right? Yeah. I've never seen any of them. And we should do Young Frankenstein. But that's in the future. Wow. So you're already <laughs> you're already planning out next year's Craigslist spooky times. Yeah. We don't even know who's gonna win the election. We don't know We don't know what's going on. Is there gonna be a world? Are we gonna there be There will be. Calm down. <laughs> All right, CNN, calm down. Ooh, that would lead you to believe that I was a Fox News watcher. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she is. Yeah. Well, let's go chronologically through these movies a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carlos Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carlos Quotes. She's sowing her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever she wants, it's Carlos Quotes. Yeah. You should listen to the podcast sometime. <laughs> So you know what the actual lyrics of the song are. Yesterday, when you were editing, you were dropping in a sound effect. And I was like, what is that? I was like, that's the flock of geese that we play after we have an improv scene. And I was like, oh, I've never listened to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't listened to it probably since the first few. Maybe it would feel too meta for you to also be a listener. Who wants to listen to themselves? I don't mind it. I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, everybody's different. So the movie that we started with was Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which you had seen and I had not. And we both found that strange. Yes. And I cannot remember why or when or how I saw this movie, but I know that I saw it. It came out in 2010. Uh, did you see it on the big screen? Here's the thing, Craig. I've been doing a little bit of a Halloween spooky times by myself for the past six or seven years where I'll watch Halloween movies every year. Maybe it was lumped in there. Okay. (laughs) I don't think I saw it on the big screen. Okay. Yeah, I guess it played Sundance in 2010 and then got a... Oh, that's right. I saw it at Sundance in 2010. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Hey, don't say yeah, right. Like, it's not possible. (laughs) There's no way you went to Sundance. (laughs) Uh, Well... It, but it got a, a wide release in 2011 in America. So who cares? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to pinpoint when you might have seen. I'm it. telling you, I saw it at home. I streamed it. Probably. I remember sitting on the couch watching it. Why you weren't there, I don't know. But before COVID, we had hobbies without each other. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. Now all of our hobbies are the same hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> Every morning we solve a crossword together. It's awful. (laughs) I'm getting better at it. So this movie was written uh, by Craig and Morgan Jurgensen, directed by Eli Craig. And uh, it stars Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyk as the titular Tucker and Dale. 
Uh, I think maybe I had confused this with Ash versus Evil Dead in some way. Mm. And I think I got the idea that Alan Tudyk and Tyler Labine are hillbillies, but I thought they were fighting zombies in it. Maybe because there's there's so much zombie shit yeah. out there. Uh, but in fact, the, the premise of it is a pretty rock-solid premise, I think. It is. Which is they are the threatening hillbillies that are in every remote cabin uh, horror movie mm-hmm. that maybe turn out to be the killers or maybe they're just, you know, creepy townspeople to set the tone. Mm-hmm. But that's who Tucker and Dale are in this movie. But they're actually very sweet and nice guys <laughs> who would never kill anyone. Yeah. Uh, yet all these college students keep turning up dead and it looks bad for Tucker and Dale. Yeah. It's so funny. So I, I think in terms of a hook, for a good horror parody slash meta movie, like they have it right away. Yeah. Whether it sustains itself for an hour and a half, uh, I think that's been our common theme in all of these horror comedies. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's certainly enjoyable all the way through. The lead actors are really delightful. Mm-hmm. The, the characters are, are just great. Um, I wouldn't say that it loses steam so much as it doesn't really heighten. <clears throat> That much. I think it heightens. It just peaks early. I think you're right. Because they got to get some good kills in early. Luckily, there's a lot of college students. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at first I was like, when I kind of didn't remember how it all went, I was like, why are there so many supporting characters in this? It's like too many at first to to keep track of. (laughs) But there's there's always a new body to kill. Yeah. Yeah. So... One of them, uh, one of a uh, a blonde girl uh, played by Katrina Bowden from Thirty Rock, accidentally hits her head, and uh, Dale takes her back to their creepy cabin just to kind of like nurse her wounds, and he tries to bring her breakfast in the morning and everything. She realizes immediately that they are no threat and that they are nice guys, but then all of her buddies are trying to rescue her throughout the movie and keep accidentally killing themselves. It's so. It's such a great premise, and I love. Oh, we're just gonna spoil this, everybody. I think because we're we're going meta today, we're gonna spoil the shit out of all three of these movies. Great. And if you haven't seen Scream, just what what have you been doing? Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, when she. So the whole thing is that they're going skinny dipping, <laughs> and she's standing on a rock, and Dale and Tucker are randomly just fishing. Like in the in the same lake, um, the stu- the college students can't see them, but they can see the college students. And this woman gets on top of this rock and starts to take her shirt off. And Dale's like, "Tucker, stop looking! It's rude." <laughs> uh, and when he's yelling at his friend, she hears him and she slips and falls and hits her head. And they pull her into the canoe, and. Then they're trying to call her friends over. And from the friend's point of view, it looks like these two creepy people that they've already had a bad experience yes. with are, are kidnapping her. They're running things about the movies. Hey, college kids! College kids! <laughs> it's so funny. My friend... um Rick Kent, who we mentioned on the zombie podcast. Who had recommended Train to Busan to us. He had also recommended 
this one, which makes me feel, because he used to work for Fearnet, and I believe this is a Fearnet, that they showed this on Fearnet. Anyways, I believe maybe now that I'm thinking about it is he recommended this to me years ago. Oh, gotcha. And I watched it. He knows your taste. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call then. It's got a found footage opening. So that's another like little comment on the genre because it opens at the ending, right? Of the news reporter and the cameraman oh. are, are following the, uh, the psycho that's been killing people who actually turns out to be one of the college students. Do you well, not remember I the cold open to this? But <laughs> I believe you. We've watched a lot of movies recently. <laughs> Uh, it's set in the Appalachian Mountains of West Virginia, but shot in Canada. Both Cabin in the Woods and Tucker and Dale were shot in Canada at about the same time. Really? And uh, Scream, they wanted to shoot in Canada, but ended up shooting it in wine country in uh, in Sonoma County. Oh, wow. Uh, but I think Cabin in the Woods was shot in Vancouver, and this was shot in Ontario, maybe, or Alberta. But I just love the idea of the scary, threatening hillbillies are the heroes of this movie. So it's kind of a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yeah. Uh, the service station where they first run into the kids at the beginning of the movie is practically the same service station from Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying literally, but it basically in terms of tone and look, it's right. pretty much the same thing. Uh, I like Alan Tudyk ordering six pounds of pickled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the dialogue is very funny uh, throughout this movie. Uh, when Dale says, I'm a zero with the ladies, Carla said, aww. <laughs> I mean, you like characters. I like an underdog. That, you like the underdog. That's why. What? That's why we got married. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because <laughs> I'm an underdog and you're an underdog. Okay. Well. <laughs> That's why I stopped myself, because I knew it was going to sound worse than I meant for it to. We're both underdogs, fighting the system. Yeah, we were meant to be together. Uh, but also, like, maybe as a native of Kentucky, maybe you just have a little sympathy for people who are maybe not taken seriously because of their more rural I don't know. Background? Don't analyze me. <laughs> You're much more suburban than rural. Yeah. You're a, you're a suburban girl. Um, they're so proud of their vacation cabin, which is you know, a total like murder cabin. Yeah. I love that, that this is their dream was to have a vacation cabin. And it's such a gross. Yeah. <laughs> and they walk in and like a serial killers live there basically, right? Yeah. But they're trying to like talk themselves into of like, this is really nice. Yeah. And that, there's all these funny. articles of these murders that are just <laughs> hanging up. And they look at, they find the coupon or whatever. <laughs> and then the other clever thing about this, I think, is that the preppy asshole kid is the real psycho yeah. of the movie. So he's the one kind of like pushing all of his friends to like, to tackle Tucker and Dale. And then it, there had been a murder spree years ago that his parents were involved in. We don't find the whole story about yeah. that, but he kind of has an origin story as a serial killer, yeah. basically. Um, Carla said, I wish I could remember why I watched this by myself. <laughs> so m maybe when you say it peaks early, the scene where Alan Tudyk saws into the bee's nest 
and his chainsaw goes haywire and it looks like and so he's his face gets stung with bees so he looks like deformed and he's his chainsaw is just out of control but it looks like he's chasing the college kids yes. with his chainsaw and yelling at them and then a kid accidentally gets impaled while running from him yes oh it's so funny and just as an admiring fan of comedy, like, it's really hard to write a scene where every bit of dialogue has a double meaning. Mm-hmm. So, like, when the kids are eavesdropping on Tucker and Dale, uh, like, they're talking about Dale beating the girl in a game of Trivial Pursuit, mm-hmm. but it sounds like they've been torturing her. Yes. And that's really clever to have, like, that double meaning running all throughout the movie. Yeah. Not a lot of Carlos quotes here. It's so silly. I love it. <laughs> Carla keeps repeating all of the laugh lines like it's college kid blood. <laughs> I like that Tucker and Dale think the college kids have a suicide pact going. <laughs> <laughs> Carla at 40 minutes said, I don't remember the rest of the movie. Um, that's why I think, it, you know, it's slightly diminishing returns as you go. Because you, yeah. get, you get the concept early. Other than maybe the reveal of Chad's backstory, mm-hmm. there's not really a twist to it. Um, we were afraid they were going to kill the dog, which they don't kill the dog, which is good because there's a big, adorable... Yeah. Uh, what is he, a pit? Like the ugliest dog. Like the so ugliest cute. dog. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad I saw this. This was tons of fun. It was. Yes. Um, what was I going to say? I had remembered after we watched it that the first time I saw it that I really liked the first half and didn't care that much for the bottom half. And I would say that that's probably still true. Yeah, it's it. It's just hard to heighten. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, that, that chainsaw scene comes pretty early and it's so fantastic. Right. But I still love Shaun of the Dead, too, and I feel like Shaun of the Dead loses a little momentum yeah. as well. I mean, this is similar in the arc. I would watch this again. Is. I would totally watch this again. Enjoyed it. Well, Cabin in the Woods, it was our second time watching that. I think we saw it on opening weekend whenever it was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know clearly you don't like to hear about release dates uh, from your, <laughs> your reaction, but this movie actually sat on the shelf for almost three years. They shot it in 2009, and it didn't get wide release in America until 2012. That's so weird. Yeah. Um, this is this movie and It Follows, I think, were the only ones that we had seen together originally, right? In the theater? I think you're right. Yeah. And so I think we saw this weirdly at Universal City Walk, where we never go to see movies. And I don't know why we would have seen it there. Yeah. We think we're meeting some friends there, maybe. Maybe we went to the theme park that day? I think we saw it at Arclight. Okay. But who cares? (laughs) (laughs) So this movie was directed by Drew Goddard in his directorial debut. Uh, Not Goddard. Not Goddard. (laughs) Drew Goddard. Uh and he, of course, is a TV writer. He wrote for Buffy and Alias and Lost. He created the Daredevil series for Netflix. And he's written a bunch of movies like World War Z and The Martian. You uh, said, of course, and I had no idea about any of that stuff. <laughs> well, that's how meta I am. 
but he also did another movie that he wrote and directed that we really liked called Bad Times at the El Royale, which also I think has some meta elements to it as yeah, well. Yeah, and some similarities to this. I really, really liked – what was the movie you just said? <laughs> About 30 seconds ago? Yeah. Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah, Bad Times at... See, I heard Casino Royale in my head for some uh-huh. reason. That's a James Bond movie. <laughs> You're mourning Sean Connery. Bad Times at the El Royale. But, I mean, that's got an incredible cast. So that has Jeff Bridges. It has Cynthia Erivo. It's got John yeah. Hamm. It's got uh, Chris Hemsworth, who's also in Cabin in the Woods. That was the first thing I saw Cynthia Erivo in, and I was like, what? Blown away. Yeah. Because she sings in it. Yeah. As well. But she's just great. And but the that sen- scene with her and Jeff Bridges is like one of my favorites. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. So I definitely highly recommend that movie. Cabin in the Woods, maybe less so. But Drew, <laughs> Drew Goddard co-wrote this with uh, his mentor, Mr. Joss Whedon. And it feels like... To, I, Can I'm I not you real quick? What's that? I have to tell you this before you move on. Please. Uh, an update on Instagram <laughs> is that this movie was also heavily responded to when I posted that we were watching it. And what I mean by that is a lot of people love this movie, Craig. People love Cabin in the Woods. Yes. Okay. A lot of people were like, yes, I love this, or it's my favorite, or whatever. So I just need you to be aware of that before you trash it. <laughs> well, I'm not, go- I'm not going to trash it. Right. But when we saw this in 2012 with our friends at some movie theater, uh, we, we didn't love it then. And I was willing to give it a second shot. And I feel like I felt exactly the same watching it a second time. Yeah. I think it's very watchable and fun throughout. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the premise behind this is kind of nutballs, right? So you've got the classic. It's just complicated. You know, like I. I still don't totally understand. (laughs) Go ahead. You've got the classic. You've got the classic horror film setup of five college students going to a remote cabin in the woods. They go to a gas station, get threatened by a hillbilly yokel. Yeah. Uh, So it's got those similarities to Tucker and Dale. But also, we're cutting back and forth with Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins and Amy Acker, who are all like scientists in some underground laboratory i just realized did that hillbilly ever come back he they have a phone call with him right mordecai they talked to mordecai over the phone later oh the scientists yeah yeah okay but no the kids don't run into him again right and supposedly this cabin was recommended to them by chris hemsworth's cousin which is never explained that's never explained like is there a real cousin was he in on it in some way But it turns out that these scientists are like releasing gases into the cabin or, or into the woods. Yeah. (laughs) Into the woods, uh, (laughs) to stimulate the, like they release pheromones to make the kids have sex and, and stuff like that. And to also make them have bad ideas. So, I mean, it's very much commenting on the horror trope of dumb college kids making all the wrong decisions. Yeah. There's also a recent Geico ad that does it better in 30 seconds than this movie really? does in, in an hour. Wow. 30. Burn. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the trope of it. But I think it's, it's, I think it's very enjoyable in a meta way. Yeah. I mean, it's very clever. I mean, to come up with that conceit, uh, 
I remembered maybe the Brad Whitford and Richard Jenkins stuff not being justified till much later, but actually rewatching it of like, it's pretty clear early on that they're manipulating this whole situation and that they're watching these kids and studying them. But we don't know why. We don't know why exactly, but it turns out, and here come the spoilers, yeah. that they're appeasing the, the ancient ones. Right? The, the gods, the evil gods. There are some gods that demand a ritualistic sacrifice. But all, they're evil gods. Yes, from all around the earth. And so there are monitors of, of there's the Japanese horror, there's Swedish horror. Uh, and so that every everyone is doing this experiment to appease these gods by sacrificing. Uh, but Yeah, as I understand it, each culture... Is I think they use that term, culture, is doing this experiment. And the other cultures failed. So like the Japanese one, we see a bunch of little schoolgirls like chanting away <laughs> to get funny. rid of a ghost, you know. That's from like the ring or whatever. Well, which is pretty funny, right? Yeah. You know, and it's uh, indicative of the difference just between Japanese horror and American horror. But I think here it, it almost implies that every slasher movie that's ever been made is an appeasement to these gods Mm -hmm. in some way. Here's what I don't understand. Can we talk about this for a second? Sure. Why are they, why are they doing these elaborate setups? Do they do this every year? Yes, it seems they do. Because everybody takes votes on like what the right. what the monster is going to be. It turns out to be a zombie hillbilly family. Because Bradley Whitford's like, I really wanted a mermaid this time. Okay, so a merman. A merman. So this happens every year. But why make it seem like a horror movie? Why not just kill kids <laughs> and give them to the gods? I know this is the premise of the movie, so I'm not trying to be an asshole. But I just don't understand the logic behind. Carla, you and I have the same complaints <laughs> about this movie. And I mean, this is something that we're always back and forth on of like, how much of a grain of salt do you have to take to buy into the premise of anything of like, there's things that I quibble about that you're totally fine with and vice versa. Yeah. You know, again, I don't think thing, which is just a hand can be able to drive a car. Um, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> But because the world they've saying who cares? Obviously, you care. I'm sorry. That's disrespectful. It's something I'm very passionate about. Uh, <laughs> you mention it every podcast, so clearly you are. It's a joke. It's a meta joke. I like it. I like it as a callback. <laughs> uh, but because this world that they've created is so elaborate. It creates so many other questions yes. in your mind that could never be addressed. Like, I get the metaphorical meanings of this movie. I get the meta commentary of this movie. Yeah. But like I said, that meta should exist on two levels where there's also a story that you're enjoying as it unfolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... I mean, I feel like, well, you, you, you've you created this world. Explain to me what this is yeah. exactly. And there's just so little explanation about It's just too complicated. How it works. Yeah. That's all. I think it would have been... I really enjoyed this movie, too. Like, it's really fun for most of it. And then it just becomes like, what? And I really think that they don't need the gods thing. <laughs> like, it could have been funny to me if it was just this underground group of people who... 
like kind of like a Truman Show thing where they're like broadcasting this to, or like a Hunger Games kind of thing. Where yeah. Broadcasting this, you know, I guess that's kind of ripping off the Hunger Games. Okay. <laughs> Let's rethink this. Anyways, my point is the whole gods element, the mythology of that is just too much. <laughs> and then the gods win, right? Yes. I mean, that's the other thing. I think people really like that at the end. Because, and I actually liked that better this time, maybe because I remembered it was going to happen, so I wasn't disappointed. But at the end, big spoiler, they're basically like, fuck it, we're not going to, we're not going to sacrifice ourselves so that the gods won't overrun the earth with their evil. It's time for humanity to start over anyways. And I think that's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what the Fran Kranz character has been saying throughout the movie, right? Who's that? He's like the the shaggy of the group, yeah. basically. He's kind of the... I mean, there, there's basically one couple, another couple of hotties who are kind of like wanting to flirt with each other, and then a total fifth wheel stoner guy yeah, who's yeah. along for the ride. I mean, he's definitely the comic relief of this movie. He's pretty enjoyable. He's, he's great, yeah. He's kind of a hybrid of shaggy and Jamie Kennedy from Scream, yeah. Yeah. basically. Here's a quote from Joss Whedon. It's a serious critique of what we love and what we don't about horror movies. I love being scared. I love that mixture of thrill, of horror, of objectification, identification, of thing, of wanting definitely for the people to be all right, but at the same time hoping they'll go somewhere dark and face something awful. The thing that I don't like are kids acting like idiots. The devolution of the horror movie into torture porn and into a long series of sadistic comeuppances. Drew and I both felt that the pendulum had swung a little too far in that direction. So specifically, Joss Sweden likes objectification. Shocker. <laughs> so specifically, it's a it's a critique on torture porn, which had at that time because of the Saw movies kind of become the dominant yes. genre. And I think that that's a totally worthy thing to critique and satirize. I don't know that I got that from this film. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get any. Maybe. Hmm. Nope, I didn't get that. (laughs) Yeah. I love the idea that all the scary monsters are real. Yes. And it also kind of implies that, like, our nightmares are also kind of appeasements to the gods in some way. Like, these creatures show up in our nightmares and and they're real. So, And the idea that there's this giant interlocking cube cells that they're all stored in, you Mm -hmm. know, like... That scene is pretty cool when they come into contact yeah. with, with all of them. Still could have had it without the gods, though. <laughs> <laughs> they could still have gone down into the basement. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely enjoy Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins. For sure. In this. They're, they're super fun. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty much on board with this movie until it just totally goes off the rails in the last 15 minutes. I agree. For me. Um, when Chris Hemsworth was on screen, Carla said, he's the superhero, right? Which one? <laughs> and just for the record, he is Thor. I almost guessed Captain America. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Uh, who, who plays Captain America? Yeah. Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Evans. <sighs> I know. It's, it's a stupid thing. Like everybody. All the yeah. Chris's. Yeah. Chris Pine, not a superhero in the Marvel world. Uh, but then, but in the DC, he's the boyfriend of Wonder Woman, that's, right? That's totally correct. I was thinking that when uh, the Fran Kranz character says, society needs to crumble. We're just too chicken to let it. Uh, he'd be a boogaloo boy now, right? What's a boogaloo boy? Oh, I'm glad that you don't know. 
What is it? Well, the Boogaloo Boys are the like the right wing oh. right wingers who are trying to start shit at riots and make it look like black people. Oh, started I didn't know it. that's what they were called. They're trying to bring in like a race war that could be blamed on protesters. I thought those those were the Proud Boys. Yeah, there's probably some overlap between the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. Ugh, moving on. The Boogaloo Boys also wear Hawaiian shirts. That's one way of telling the difference. Are you serious? Uh, I wish I was making it up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is why it's hard to watch horror now because this is our life. <laughs> uh I mean, I think I associate Joss Whedon with being very meta in everything he does, right? Which is why I never got into Buffy. I love Buffy. To me, of like the, it has two. I mean, I I've only watched one episode, so oh come on, <laughs> then it doesn't count. But my concept of it is that it's very like ironically distanced. No, it's actually very heart uh, forward. <laughs> And when jo- and the Joss Whedon Marvel movies, I always felt are like too they are commenting on themselves too much as well, and the jokes are too self aware. Okay, I'm just saying that's where I'm coming from with my take on Joss Whedon. Uh, I wrote this is almost too high concept. Uh, that scene where the hawk flies into like an electronic wall, like that's kind of cool, like as an image. But then you're like, is this whole thing just like a projection? Is this not a real place where people can actually go? Like, I just, I, I, I just, that was fine for me (laughs) because I was thinking of Truman Show. Yeah. Whether they intended me to or not. Uh, here's, there's a little bit with a two way mirror, Mm -hmm. uh, which is also a thing in Bad Times at the El Royale, right? And uh, so there's there's a painting that's hiding a two-way mirror that divides the two rooms. And each of the sexy college students gets to see each other strip a little bit. Carla said he's got quite the six-pack. He really does. I guess he's a, a big famous star from Grey's Anatomy when I looked him up. Oh, really? Like he was on it for a long time. I'm not on top of what's happening on Grey's Anatomy. All right. Neither am I. (laughs) But some people are, and that's okay. I think that's great. Um, When our main girl gets pushed into the lake, Carla said, oh, no, that was the, that's the whore, right? (laughs) Who gets pushed into the lake by her boyfriend. Well, I'm just talking, these are the ancient gods who have labeled them, right? This is not me, but they're the whore, the athlete, the... Jester. The jester, or the clown, right? Or the fool. The fool. He's the fool. And uh, the Virgin, right? I mean, that is a pretty good joke where Kristen Connolly, who's the main girl, Dana, in, in the movie, when Sigourney Weaver, for some reason, comes out as the director of this place and tells her the archetypes. And she's like, Virgin? And, and Sigourney Weaver's like, well, we work with whatever we got. You know? <laughs> she's more virginal than the other girl, I guess. Um but the the other girl that's pushed into the lake and Carla said, oh, man, I'd be so mad. I'd break up with your ass. <laughs> Carla doesn't like getting pushed into water. Wait, what? Oh, this was not when they were getting killed. This is when Chris Hemsworth. This is when they're joking around. This is like right out of Friday the 13th, yeah. right? When they're all joking around in the lake. Yep. There's always somebody who gets pushed off of a dock into a lake. You yeah. Know. Now I remember. 
it occurred to me that Fran Kranz's Marty is the Carla's quotes of characters because he kept saying things throughout the movie like, Jesus, can we not? <laughs> Which is exactly what Carla says throughout. How many times did I say what when we were watching that Nexium documentary last night? Seduced. Yeah. Not the other one. We're watching the good one. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin Pollack, for recommending <laughs> Seduced. We subscribe to Stars so we can watch this. And it is kind of erasing the bad aftertaste of the vow. Yes. I think with some more hardcore information. Um, I love the idea of the basement of this cabin is filled with triggers that would activate different monsters depending on what the kids notice first mm, yeah and they all have like a different artifact that could release a different monster but she reads the latin to release the zombie redneck torture family and so that's <laughs> the monster that they get and so i love the idea that bradley whiffer is like i'm never gonna see a merman he had the conch in his hands <laughs> but then he does get to see a merman a merman that pays off so well a merman kills him at the end that's that's pretty good he's like you gotta be fucking kidding me just like Scream, there's a whole don't have sex thing here too, right? Yeah, it's a thing. It is a thing. And definitely... <coughs> Sorry. Judging from Get Out and this, don't, tra- don't trust Bradley Whitford in a horror movie. He does oh, not, yeah. He does not have your best interest. He's such a good actor. Do you hear that, Bradley? I know you listen to our podcast, right? <laughs> um. <laughs> Are you laughing because he does? Uh, he might. He might. <laughs> Hope you're out there, Brad. Um, at one point, we both misheard a line, and I, we never looked back to see what they were actually saying. But Carla said, did he say she's got a husband bulge? <laughs> what did you think it was? I, th- I heard husband bulge as well. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what's being said, and we just don't understand what that phrase is. Um, but I like that we didn't go back to read the subtitle or, or whatever. Uh, our TV, the sound is weird. Like, I think we need to invest in maybe a pair of speakers or Can something. Can get a new TV, Craig? We've had this one for 10 years now. Has it been 10 years? Yeah, really? we got it in 2010 for your birthday. Do you think the technology has gotten better <laughs> since then? <laughs> I want a new one. I want a big one. Okay, Carla. I'll get you a TV the size of this fucking wall. <laughs> But everything we watch, the dialogue needs to be cranked up to like 90 to be audible. And then when music and explosions happens, the entire house shakes. So it's hard for us to find what we're both constantly adjusting the volume up and down. Constantly. Constantly. Oh, here's Carla on Jesse Williams. Jesse Williams is cute, too. Uh, who's Jesse Williams? He's the guy who's not Chris Hemsworth in this movie. Yeah, that's the hot guy from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. He's the six-pack guy. So I think the way that I knew that I didn't really care about whatever happens in this movie is at the end when Sigourney Weaver kind of comes in as the deus ex machina, like explaining the entire high concept of the movie and appeasing the gods and everything. And Dana and Marty, who we thought was dead, turns out he's still alive and they're in the underground bunker together. And then there's like a little fight between Marty and Dana and the director. And like, I just didn't honestly know who am I supposed to be rooting for at this moment? Mm. Right. Uh, because I really wanted like Dana and Marty to like work together and like have some sort of victory in some way. Right. 
And especially because we're kind of playing on the classic trope of the last girl, right? Right. Whether she's a virgin or not, which seems to be <laughs> up for dispute, it just feels like you've introduced all these crazy convoluted concepts and then give me an unhappy ending. Yeah, but I think some people like that ending. And I'm okay with a downer ending right? occasionally too, you know, if warranted. But I think this movie just kind of leaves me in like jaw-dropped confusion. You forgot Sigourney Weaver was in it and I reminded you. I did not remember she was in it. You were like, what? And I was like, Sigourney Weaver is, I think, at the end of this movie. So that's one thing that Carla remembered that I did not. Write it down, this one thing. (laughs) Don't ever forget it. Here's a little bit of trivia that I found really fun about this, though. The special effects, monster costumes, special makeup, and prosthetic makeup for the movie were done by veteran horror film actress Heather Langenkamp, a.k.a. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. She's the lead from Nightmare on Elm Street. She did the makeup? She and her husband have a company called AFX Studio that does special effects for horror movies. How cool. Now that's a nice way to pivot. Into? A new career. Yeah. Something that you've prepared for already, like that you have experience in. Because we thought she was... We talked about how great she was as Nancy in yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street and wondered like why she hasn't shown up in too much. She's she's working on other stuff, but she's still in the horror genre. That's so cool. That's pretty cool. Let's move on to our third and final meta horror movie, Carla, Scream. It sounds like this was a big movie for you and your friends in high school. Yes. 96? Came out in 96. I think around Christmas time. I would have been 16. Do the math. I'm now 40. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, this was such a big deal in high school. I think I saw it three or four times in the theater. I remember like we would go every weekend and see this movie and we were quoting it all the time. I just have very vivid memories of this. That is the age where you return to movies uh, and on the big screen, like multiple times, right? Yeah. Particularly if they're comedies or horror movies. Yeah. Because it's almost you want to bring new friends there to just see them react to mm-hmm. the parts that you enjoy reacting to, right? And then I think the next Halloween at the dance, we weren't allowed to wear masks because so many people were dressing up as the Scream. Ghostface? Yeah. Um, which is fine. So this was written by Kevin Williamson, who was a really big deal for a while there in the the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. Felt like his name was all over both film and TV. Dawson's Creek, other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Carla's done her research. Uh, This movie was originally titled, like, almost up until the time of release. Do you know what the original title was? Slasher. No. Killer. No. Um, uh, Blood. The movie was originally titled Scary Movie. So that was later used but for the parody series yeah. by the, the Wayans brothers and Anna Ferris. Why'd they change it? Uh, the Too Weinstein men? brothers thought Scary Movie was not a good title for this. Two on the nose. Two on the nose, maybe. Uh, and they changed it to Scream. And at first, I guess Wes Craven, who directed it, and Kevin Williamson, who wrote it, were upset about the change, but then came to realize in, uh, years later that Scream was a better title than Scary Movie. 
But I guess while they were making it, everybody thought they were making a movie called Scary Movie. Like all the cast gifts, you know, or like jackets that said Scary Movie. And then you have that and you're like, I can't sell this on eBay now. (laughs) Uh, But what a a cast for this, right? It's such a great cast. I mean, it really, it's a great movie. It really holds up for me. I still think it's super fun. I don't think it's as scary now as I did when I first saw it. But that opening sequence, you were you jumped a couple times. So this is the classic Drew Barrymore takes a, a random phone call. This is why you don't have a landline, people. <laughs> uh, it's, it is interesting to watch cell phones in this movie, too, the which giant. are gigantic. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like a little commentary on Janet Lee and Psycho, right? Yes. Of like, take the best known actor in the movie and kill them off. Right away. Which was purposeful, obviously. Well, originally, Drew was going to play Sydney, And oh. the, because of a scheduling conflict, she couldn't do it and agreed to take the smaller role. And then everybody kind of felt like, oh, this is perfect. You know, yeah. we're going to kill off Drew Barrymore and nobody's going to expect it at the beginning of the movie. That's awesome. I wonder what she did instead. Never been kissed? Maybe. But maybe that was a couple years later. Oh, I know. Um, ever After? Possibly. Have you seen either of those movies? I have seen both of those movies, oddly enough. You're full of surprises, you underdog, you. (laughs) Maybe I'm a big Drew Barrymore fan. Also really fun to follow on Instagram. Really? Yeah. What kind of stuff does she post? Lots of facials. (laughs) All right. Here's what Carla was nostalgic about at the beginning of the movie. Remember Jiffy Pop? (laughs) So she's got some Jiffy Pop popping on the... She, oh, I didn't remember what that was until you just said it. Yeah, she's got some popcorn popping yeah. on the on the stovetop, which that's the real tragedy. She never gets to eat that popcorn, right? That's, that's the real tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got that kind of iconic voice of Ghostface over the phone, right? Which That's what they've used mm-hmm. and... At the end, when they reveal the killers, they've been using some sort of voice modulator, right? Yeah. But that guy, that voiceover actor, is the always the voice over the phone Oh, in, in all the movies. Interesting. Yeah. I think he's a guy named... Guy. He is named Guy. <laughs> uh, no, I want to give him <coughs> proper credit. His name is Roger Jackson. He's great. And he's the voice of, uh, of Ghostface. But, I mean, he's just got that... Classic uh, scary voice, right? Yeah. Do you like scary movies? Yeah, it's so good. So, yeah, Drew doesn't make it. And neither does her boyfriend. They're both killed rather gruesomely. Is it Todd or Tyler? Steve. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but already in that opening scene, there's an awareness of horror classics right because they talk about all the slasher movies that we did in our very first episode right nightmare on elm street halloween and friday the 13th all get referenced in this movie and he's asking her trivia questions yeah right who was the killer in friday the 13th and we know but uh but she doesn't know that it's mrs Voorhees, right it's not jason in the first movie and that's why she dies um our dog was very upset carla said benny's upset because there's a fly in here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is the real horror in his life is yes. uh, is when there's a fly inside. I care less about fireworks, but flies are bad. And then when that was over, Carla said, "Maybe the best cold open ever." It may be. 
Can you think of a better one? It's a pretty good one. Can you I'm, think of a better one? I'm not going to dispute it, Carla. Okay. okay. Uh, and then you've got Skeet Ulrich, right, who is classically, and I feel bad for the guy, but he's always referred to as the poor man's Johnny Depp, right? But, oh. But, I mean, he is such a dead ringer for Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Also, I think, and I didn't quite rem- I felt like I remembered that he was the killer or one of the killers, but he's a little like watching Jack Torrance in The Shining, right? Because I, he's so psycho throughout the whole movie, right? Is he? See, that's... Or are we just projecting what we actually know? Well, no, it's hard for me to... Yeah, it's hard for me to watch without... Well, like, I can't forget. (laughs) So I can't tell. So our main girl in this is Sydney, played by Nev Campbell. She's got a tragic backstory. Her mother had been killed a year ago. Uh... She she's trying to maintain a PG thirteen relationship mm-hmm. with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So, the occasional flash of breasts, but uh, but no no going all the way. Right. Uh, Carla got very excited when Sydney had an Indigo Girls poster. <laughs> Maybe also very indicating uh, the year nineteen ninety six. But you've got uh, you've got a blonde Rose McGowan in this movie. Yeah. You've got Courtney Cox. You got David Arquette Cox. Uh, you've got Henry Winkler, yeah. uh, Jamie Kennedy, Matthew Lillard. Liev Schreiber has basically just a cameo in this. They must have known they were making a Scream 2 when they made this. Or He was I, just like an indie film actor at this time. Yeah. He wasn't like a big deal, I don't think. But they must have cast him, you know, hoping that they'd get to make another movie and pay off that character later, right? I don't know. He's the guy who's in prison for murdering the mother, but it turns out he was framed. Um, yeah, I I seem to remember Jamie Kennedy already being a thing, but I guess this was his first movie. Like yeah. this, really kind of kind of broke him. Uh, Carla said, "I think Nev Campbell's really good." I do. I think that she is my favorite screen queen because she is really good at sticking up for herself. Yeah. She fights back and effectively. Yes. Throughout this movie. Um, and Courtney Cox is a bitch in this. I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> She's so funny in this movie. She really wanted to subvert her image from friends, right? Yeah. Uh, so she yells at her cameraman, who's not that fat, move your fat tub of lard ass. <laughs> and Carla said, uh, she ain't nice. Yeah. I love throughout the movie that they refer to a cell phone as a cellular telephone. <laughs> That's how old this movie is. I didn't is. notice that. That's funny. <laughs> Here's Caroline Rose McGowan. She's like one of the classic funny bitches. She is. She's so great in this movie. <sighs> and she has probably the most gruesome death in it, where yeah. she gets crushed in the garage door opener, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is pretty horrible. Carla and David Arquette, he's so funny in this. Carla just loves this cast. <laughs> Courtney Cox has the perfect 90s babe face. She does. What what is it what is so 90s about her specifically? She um Is it the makeup? Yeah, like her eyebrows are perfectly tweezed into thin lines and she has like a, a little bit of a darker <laughs> lip liner and then a ton of lip gloss. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, her highlights are really nineties. Yeah, but she's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Were you? Uh, did you fall asleep? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. 
Uh, I mean, you know makeup better than I. So <laughs> I, I was just curious as to what is specifically 90s about her. I guess her eyebrows. Eyebrows. On fleek. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's all the other bitchy girls at the high school. Carla said, these look like 30-year-old women playing dress-up. I should have auditioned for that part. I would have gotten it, I think. <laughs> I will say that in all of these movies... Is this true? Maybe not. But, like, there's always, like, um, a bitchy, a popular girl in high school. Yeah. And now, all the Scream movies or all horror movies, specifically? A lot of horror movies that, like, would you would take, you would go to a school or whatever for. Like, there would be a scene in the school. Yeah. Anyways, I'm just sick of seeing, like, bitchy... Popular girls, I guess is my point. I'll just get to it. <laughs> and they're always cast way too old. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always the trick that if you're under 18, you have to go to school, right? When you're on. So it, it severely limits the amount of hours you can shoot. So if you've got a high school movie mm-hmm. with a predominantly supposedly teenage cast, you typically will cast 18 and up. I think that's not as true anymore, though, right? Certainly not with TV. They've cast actual kids as yeah. the age that they're supposed to be. Which is good. Maybe movies just have to work a little faster. You know, they're, they're on more of a... I don't know. I think TV, you guess you work faster. I don't know why the logic behind that. But certainly I'm glad there's not a bunch of 22-year-olds as the kids in Stranger Things. <laughs> um, the Freddy Krueger bit is pretty funny. It's great. Right? So... <laughs> Uh, Henry Winkler is the principal, hears a noise, uh, goes out to investigate, sees the janitor who's wearing the classic Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger <laughs> sweater, yep. and says, oh, sorry, Fred. And do you know who's playing that janitor? Is it Richard England or Robert England? No, it's Wes Craven. Oh. The director of Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street. I know who Wes Craven is. Uh, but he's playing Fred the janitor there. Here's the rules. Don't have sex. Don't drink or do drugs. Don't say, I'll be right back. Mm. According to Jamie Kennedy. Um, but talk about meta. Jamie Kennedy yelling at the screen at Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie, look behind you. Yeah. Is maybe awesome. the, the most classic meta moment. Yes. Right? That's so great. <laughs> Uh, at one point, David Arquette lands on top accidentally of Courtney Cox and Carla said, kissy, kissy face. And then they fell in love for real. <laughs> they did. It's so cute. And then they got divorced. Carla and Nev Campbell. She's pretty tough, don't you think? Uh, when she finds Rose McGowan's body. Can you imagine seeing your best friend like that? Ugh. That would not be great. Carla, look at that cell phone. Um, please. They're called cellular telephones, Carla. <laughs> When Courtney Cox crashes her uh, van, Carla said, oh, my God, what a mess. Learn how to drive. (laughs) Uh, When Sydney says to the killers, who are now revealed to be Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard working in tandem Mm -hmm. because they kill off, supposedly, Billy the boyfriend, Mm -hmm. right? But it's all fake blood. Syrup. He says, oh, corn syrup, just like you explained yesterday. Classic Cairo corn syrup and food coloring, right? So she says to them, fuck you both. Carla said, fuck you both. That's the best. That's exactly what I would do. (laughs) (laughs) Here's Carla on the denouement. It's two of them. Not just one of them. It's two. No one was expecting that. (laughs) It's true. 
I remember that being such a big deal <laughs> at the time. Like, what? How is it two killers? I would have never thought of that. <laughs> I feel the back half suffers a little much. No. <laughs> You're so wrong. What are you going to say? Let me make my point, Carla. <laughs> From over-talking killer phenomenon, right? No, what does that mean? There's too much talk at the end of the movie. Too much explaining no. their motivations and everything. But you need to know that her mom slept with his dad. And that's why his mom left. And that's why he's been doing this for the past year. Because he's fucking with her. And it also is so great because then she realizes that Cotton Weary was innocent. So then she feels bad. So she's actually not necessarily a victim either. Well, guess what, Carla? Because you've just taken Harvey Weinstein's side in the argument. What? Kevin Kevin Williamson wanted the killer's motivation to be obscure and not clear. And the Weinstein brothers, Harvey and Bob, felt that more of a backstory and explanation should be written for those characters. But they also feel like they split the difference a little bit. Where Skeet Ulrich has a heavy motivation, but... Uh, Matthew Lillard is just uh, he, peer pressure. He's, he's peer pressure, right? <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, he's really funny he's and crazy. Brilliant. At the end of this movie, right? He's wonderful. <laughs> uh, the, 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 that part where he's on the, where he's, what's happening? Where she's just called. So she gets the, control back of the situation nev campbell and she calls them to prank them on the phone yeah and he was like my mom and dad are gonna be so pissed <laughs> was something we quoted constantly that was actually my next carlos quote <laughs> my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me my friends <laughs> me and my so friends said me. that all the time all the time clearly not enough for me to remember it exactly but i also love the scene where both matthew lillard and jamie kennedy show up at the house and they're both blaming each other it feels like the end of a game of murder right Mm -hmm. where you're like no no he's the killer he's the killer and i remember i totally remember being like it could be either of these guys yeah i mean it's a very well done script yeah right and it turns out it is one of them but then it's also another guy that we thought was dead you know it's pretty good twists um and then is it Matthew Lillard or Skeet Ulrich who has the TV crash on top of them and electrocutes them? Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Carla said, I don't even think that's how TVs work, but I like it. <laughs> Carla said, remember how TVs used to weigh so much they could hurt people? <laughs> is that what you want to get? You want to get a TV that's so big it could hurt us if it fell I mean, on us? I mean, just in case somebody breaks in. And then Courtney Cox shows back up and Carla said, nice, Gail Weathers. See, the women kick fucking ass in this movie. They do. The women are the heroes of this movie and I love it. So, They're not accidental heroes either. Like with a lot of slasher films, when there's a woman that's alive, it feels kind of by accident. <laughs> yeah. Like she just hit enough or she just luckily got the knife at the very last second. But I feel like these two women in this movie have such clear goals and are like actively trying to survive. It's really great. Yeah, they don't need to be saved by the cops showing up right. at the end, right? Right. Uh, and David Arquette does his little part, but he really doesn't uh, help that yeah, much, Yeah, right? which is great. Like, I, I think that's exactly how it should be. Jamie Kennedy does end up helping a little bit, which is cool, because he's kind of the underdog, too. So, if you had asked me, I would have said there's three Scream movies. I definitely remember seeing the first and the second. I don't think I've seen the third. But there's also a fourth, yeah. and they're about to start shooting the fifth. I heard that. 
with Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox, Courtney Cox and yeah. David Arquette are all back. For so more. great. Have you seen the previous four? I've seen the first three. What's the fourth one? That I don't know. That wasn't that long ago, right? Like maybe 10 years ago? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, do the sequels hold up at all? I think they're fun. Um, the second one is with Jada Pinkett Smith in the cold open, and that's actually a really great cold open as well. Um, and Cotton Weary has a bigger part in it. Yeah, Leah Shriver. And then in the third one, is the third one where they're filming the movie of it? Must be. the second one? Okay. I can't remember. I think the third one is where they're filming the movie of it. And that's with um, Parker Posey. Okay. She plays Gail Weathers. Oh, in the movie. Yeah. She's the Courtney Cox role. Okay. Can you look that up while I, while I talk here for a second? Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. And then like, so they definitely get sillier and probably not as scary. And, but they're equally gruesome. <laughs> They are equal, I think, slasher films in the sense that they're gruesome. Um, and I rewatched them all last year and I had a really good time watching all of them. So, but they're not, it's the second and third one are not nearly as good as the first one. Yeah, you're right. It's Parker Posey in the third one. And that's the one where they're, what's the, oh, the second one is when she goes to college and her okay. boyfriend is someone famous, like maybe the guy from Stand By Me. Is it him? Can you look it up? In which one? In the second one. The second one. Scream 2. Okay. We can cut this out if it's as boring as I think it might be. <laughs> um, here's what I will say. I did watch the first episode just a couple days ago of the Scream TV show, which I guess came out in 2015. Like I kind of remember hearing about it, but I never watched it. Yeah, I think I watched the pilot and didn't stick with it. Ooh, it's terrible. Oh, and I hate saying that because I know that people work hard on these things. Um, but here's why I didn't like it. They cast all hot people. Uh-huh. It's so unbelievable. And they all look like they're 25. There's one woman who is from The Killing. She was um, a teenager in The Killing and she's in it and she's really great in it. Um, but everybody else is just like... Eh. There's, like, no substance. It feels like Riverdale, maybe. Right. But I liked Riverdale. <laughs> this is a good actors. I don't know. So Scream 2, you're thinking of Jerry O'Connell, is it? Yeah. He's yeah. going to stand by me, right? Yeah, Vern. I told you. <laughs> I've got stuff in this head. Carla, do you want to give Scream a letter grade? A. I give it... An A? I, I give it an A minus. <laughs> okay, I'll accept that. Yeah. I think too much talking at the end. Okay. Um, and I don't agree with Harvey Weinstein. I want that to be on the record. I'm very upset that you said I was on the same page as Harvey Weinstein, by the way. We'll talk about it off mic. What do you want to give Cabin in the Woods? I want to give the first part a B plus. Okay. And I want to give the God stuff, even though I love Sigourney Weaver, a C. Plus. Okay. Plus. C plus. I was thinking B minus for this movie overall, so that's probably about similar for you. Yeah. And Tucker and Dale? Um, I want to give the first part an A minus and the second part a B. I give the movie a B. Really? Okay. B plus, B, somewhere around there. I mean, I laugh really hard. I can't not give something an A minus that I laugh so hard at. I gave Shaun of the Dead a B plus. I don't think Tucker and Dale is quite as good, so I want to give oh, it a B. Oh, you're right. 
Okay, I'll give it a B plus. <clears throat> okay, Carla, you want to do a little khaki theater? I guess. Well, I feel like I feel like after a month of doing this, you should be better at horror trivia, right? I don't know. So if I feel like if Ghostface called you, okay, you might not get killed. All right, let's try it. Okay, let's see. Wouldn't that be sad if this podcast ended with me getting killed? That would be the ultimate meta move. <laughs> <laughs> this is evidence that Craig killed me. I, I think I'd be the, I'd be the top suspect. It would be hard to get out of that one. Benny would come under slight scrutiny. <laughs> oh, loud helicopter. All right. <clears throat> bring, bring, bring. I'm going to keep doing this till the helicopter passes. <laughs> bring, bring, bring. Hello? Hello, Carla. Hi. I already voted. Are you calling me about voting? I already voted. I'm not calling about voting, Carla. Who is this? I'm a friend. Oh, cool, cool. Do you like scary movies? I do, actually. My husband and I just did 31 days of horror films. What's your favorite scary movie? Mom, is this you? I told you I was voting for Biden. This isn't your mom, Carla. Okay, okay, sorry. What are you doing? Um, I'm drinking some coffee and, you know, hanging out. Is that, what's that sound I hear? Is that a dog humping a pillow? Yeah, sorry about that. Whenever I don't pay attention to him, he tries to get my attention by humping. That's disgusting. It's pretty gross. I'm not proud of it. Sorry, who is this? This is Ghostface. Oh, well, you know it's November now, Ghostface, right? Yeah. Okay. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. I'm just saying maybe the spooky time has passed. (laughs) First of all, I'm glad you have a landline. You have no idea how many people I've been calling that don't pick up. Well, if there's an earthquake, I figure you need a landline. I'm glad you don't screen your calls. I don't. Well, here's a little quiz, Carla. About scary movies. Okay. Who's the killer in the first Friday the 13th movie? Uh, Mrs. Voorhees. What? You weren't supposed to get that. (laughs) Everyone says Jason. Why would I say that? I just watched it and we had... Okay, okay. I've got got a tougher one then. Who... Who did... (laughs) Who did the uh, creature of... Are you okay? No, I'm I'm looking for a trivia. Did you vote? Did you vote yet? I voted. I have a sticker. Okay? (laughs) I did it over mail. Okay, great. Good job. I wish you could vote over the phone, because that's where I'm most comfortable. (laughs) Okay, back to the quiz. Okay. Who did the creature effects for Cabot in the Woods? Oh, Heather. Heather who? Nancy. Who's Nancy? You just said Heather. Heather is her real name. Nancy is the character she plays. I need a last name, Carla. Uh, Heather. Look outside. Okay. Uh, I don't see anything. Look outside. I'm looking outside. Right outside. I'm right outside. Carla, it's me. It's Craig. (laughs) (laughs) I was using this voice modulator. Heather Heather Langenkamp. Put down the gun. Put down the gun, Greg! I don't want to do this ever again, Carla. I don't want to do 31 days of horror. This is the end. There's no more spooky times. I'm killing myself. I'm not going to kill you. Don't kill yourself.
himself. The underdog never kills himself at the end of the movie. They only get killed. You're right. Oh, God. Well, then we're not going to appease the gods. <laughs> All right. I have to go do some text banking and phone banking because it's election day. Okay. Sorry to scare you like that. <laughs> Our improv is rough. <laughs> I thought that was epic. I mean, so many callbacks, right? No, you're right. It was really good. You're right. It was it was really good. Carla, we watched 31 scary movies in 31 days. How are you feeling? I'm feeling like we did it. I'm feeling um, proud. I'm feeling uh, self-satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too smug. <laughs> But yeah, this was really fun. It was fun to revive the podcast. Uh, we needed a project. This was something that was good and distracting uh, in the, the wind-up to the election, which the, the results are coming in in just a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we definitely are planning maybe doing more special episodes in the future because we enjoyed this. But, you know, don't hold us to any timetable. You know, we'll just pop up in your feed when you least expect it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll... we'll We'll put out some more periodically. I also want to keep revising the original Craig's 100 top movies. And so as you find out about more movies that are joining that list, we'll probably do some episodes uh, on those movies. But it's a work in progress, so it's not quite ready yet. But we want to thank all of you, Craig's listeners, for all of your wonderful feedback and your suggestions for scary movies to watch. Yeah. We definitely took you up on a few and, you know, discovered some wonderful new stuff. Yeah. Thanks for um, tweeting at us and messaging me on Instagram, at Carla Kakowski on Instagram and Twitter. Let's see if I can get 10 more followers before the end of the year. Carla's trying to get 10 more followers (laughs) for a total of... Three. Okay, great. So you have negative seven <laughs> followers right now. Uh, we'd like to thank Ken Plume, as always, for you, uh, for redoing the audio that we do at our very low-tech setup at home. And, and he, for our image. Uh, Ken redid the image for Spooky Times, and he also redid Jonathan Dinerstein's original theme song for Spooky Times. So thank you so much, Ken. And thank you, Jonathan, for your wonderful themes. They add so much to the podcast. And we will see you at some point. We probably will never see you. But. We will never see you. You have no idea what we look like. But uh, we will. you will hear from us at some uh, point in the future. Stay safe. Stay healthy. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Bye. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>